Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later... I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Super Bowl week. I, for one, am still getting hyped up for this one, uh, so to speak. Uh, We have plenty of news to cover, though. So we're going to touch on the game in a bit, but... I actually did want to dedicate this episode to kind of talk through all the NFL coaching hires that have taken place and who didn't get hired, which is possibly even more interesting than the guys who did get hired. So let's just start things off with Jim Harbaugh, the biggest name on the market, uh, leaves Michigan amid controversy, even though he won the national title, Michigan's going to get slammed with... NCAA sanctions, that's a guarantee. Like he he was he made the Pete Carroll exit, if you will, right before the sanctions come down. Uh but uh you know, this is a win for the Chargers because I honestly believe that the Spanos family is looking to sell this Chargers team. Because you don't give an NFL head coach equity in your team if you're planning on staying there long term. I honestly think that part of the reason why Harbaugh took less money is to get it to get that equity because it's so valued, and most NFL owners would never even dream of uh, giving that up. I honestly think the Spanos uh, family is looking to sell this team, but in order to make it as attractive as possible, since they've borked this as horribly as possible with the move to LA, where you have no fans, you're constantly getting out cheered by the opposing team. Uh, visiting fans, they got to do something to actually spice up that franchise. Yes, they could sell, but frankly, it's not going to go as high as what the, uh, I almost said the word, uh, what Washington went for, because at least there's name, well, there was name brand with Washington, but there's history with Washington. May not be good history, but it's history enough. With the Chargers, perennial losers. Uh, let's just be honest. The, like Dan Fouts and, and uh, Kellen Winslow, that was over 40 years ago. <laughs> like, uh, it's actually, you're getting, uh, uh, we're, we're getting closer to 50 now. But um, that's the truth of the mo- uh, matter. You know, yes, you did have uh, the run with LaDainian Tomlinson. I am not calling him by the nickname people are giving him because there's only one LT. Uh, But the truth of the matter is the Chargers are not nearly as valuable as they should be as an NFL franchise. It's just been horribly managed. But I I equate this situation to Jim Harbaugh going to Stanford originally. And 
people are going to say, well, well, why why would you say, like, because people don't even think about Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. This is a reclamation project that he's undertaking. The Chargers are so far over the cap because of all the salary cap uh, shenanigans that they pulled over the years and still entrusted it to Brandon Staley, of all people, when they... They should have known from the jump in that first year this guy was not it. Knowing their cap situation. The Chargers played their hand so horribly. But there's so many guys the Chargers have to either trade or cut that this is going to be closer to an expansion roster than an NFL roster next year. You've got an aging Keenan Allen, an aging Austin Eckler whom no one wanted to trade for. There's still value in Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen had a monster year fantasy-wise. But in real-life football production, Keenan Allen's closer to a number two than he is a number one at this point. Mike Williams cannot stay healthy. Period. It doesn't matter. Like In terms of a contract, that's a bad contract because you got a guy who can't be a number one, is too frequently injured to be considered a number two, and... All you've got, essentially, is Justin Herbert trying to work with a subpar cast. And again, because of the offensive line issues they've had, he keeps getting hurt. So there's injury issues as well for us, uh, for Harbaugh to consider when it comes to Justin Herbert. It's a lot to deal with. So again, I equate this to Stanford because no one's expecting Stanford to win. But Harbaugh was able to get it done there. I think that they're going to find a way, uh, Harbaugh's going to find a way to get the Chargers relevant again. I mean, you would think that they would be relevant because they have Justin Herbert. And I know they're going to get media attention, but Lord knows this this team had a Super Bowl caliber roster for three straight years. Three straight years. Couldn't get a single playoff win. Couldn't even make the playoffs. It's so frustrating watching what I had to watch for multiple years because of bad management and bad coaching. It's so frustrating. I would kill for that as a Giants fan and then have the Chargers roster. And, and just to watch them just squander it. Just absolutely squander it. Because he's going to have to do a gut uh, renovation job on this roster. Like, this is not going to be a competitive-looking team on paper when you see this in uh, 2024 come uh, come September. People are going to wonder, like, what is this Chargers team? But it's the hand that the Chargers dealt themselves, and Harbaugh's going to have to come in there and fix it. But he'll have the time of uh, essentially years and the fact that he's got equity in the team, which, again... I think this is a long-term play for the Spanos family to sell the, uh, the Chargers. You don't give up equity unless you're already planning on an exit strategy. The only guy I know who gave up equity in F- NFL teams uh, is uh, basically uh, goes back to Stephen Ross of the Dolphins. And basically, the when Ross has given up uh, ownership, if you will, of the Dolphins... It's not voting rights or anything. It's literally just in terms of he wants to have a celebrity kind of represent the team. So, uh, like, The Rock's on there. I think Serena Williams in there. Uh, When J-Lo and Mark Anthony were together, 
it's uh it's still there so i i you know it's a it's a hodgepodge of who's who and celebrities in terms of dolphins ownership but in terms of the harbaugh equity that was explained it's this is a different matter which leads me to believe that this is going more in the segue of harbaugh's going to be there long term and will eventually progress into some form of gm role uh with a new owner because if you're taking on someone that already has equity you're gonna have to buy him out i i don't necessarily see that being the case unless harbaugh flames out spectacularly which i have a hard time seeing because harbaugh has a good football mind he understands the nfl very well from his playing days and how to get guys ready it, you know it, it, it's essentially what uh you get out of uh <laughs> damn Campbell in uh, uh, with the Lions, except Jim Harbaugh is not a complete lunatic the way Campbell is at times. Uh, but uh, I, this is going to be interesting because the AFC West, you know, was so poorly represented uh, last year because of how bad the Chargers were uh, indiscriminately, how decidedly mediocre. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and decidedly mediocre is the, basically the de- definition of the Broncos and the Raiders. And it's like the, the the division was just a cakewalk for the Chiefs that realistically it was not a good KC team. And I will keep saying this. If KC actually had a real division this year, KC might have missed the playoffs because their wins were based off of how bad the division was. And they still lost division games. But... We, we move on because uh, we, we spent a good amount of time talking about Harbaugh. So uh, let, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's segue into a couple of these other teams. But, yeah, I, I mean, Chargers to uh, Harbaugh with the Chargers, I mean, that's an A-plus uh, rating in my book. It, like, the Chargers desperately need Jim Harbaugh. He doesn't necessarily need them, but, hey, equity, that means a lot. So I think it's an A-plus uh, deal, and it works out, uh, should work out for both sides. Moving on, and this is one of the coaching surprises, although I don't think it should be that much of a surprise. The Falcons hiring Raheem Moore to replace uh, recently fired Arthur Smith. So let's go back on the timeline on this one. The Falcons essentially were linked to Bill Belichick as soon as Arthur Smith was fired. Now, Belichick did interview for the job, but... The feedback seems to be the fact that Belichick just refused to not want to have uh, give up just uh, the GM duties. He wants to be able to be head coach and GM, and that is the biggest sticking point with this. Arthur uh, Arthur Blank did not want to give up GM duties um, uh, to a head coach, and so that essentially was that for Belichick in terms of. Uh, getting hired with the Falcons. It, it was the GM duties. Same thing that caused Belichick uh, his job with the Patriots is the fact that he didn't want to give up GM duties. Uh, so, essentially, the Falcons go with Raheem uh, Morris, who should have been hired well before then. Uh, you know, Raheem Morris wins a Super Bowl as defensive coordinator for the Rams, doesn't get a single head coaching job interview. Not one. Raheem Mostert, who already has head coaching experience, got a raw deal in Tampa. Let's just let's just be honest. 
got a raw deal in Tampa uh, when uh, he got fired in 2011 because he didn't have a quarterback. Never got a chance to draft his own quarterback. Has to work around, bounce around the league as an assistant head coach. Gets the interim job as the Falcons head coach when when we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to Dan Quinn, uh, Dan Quinn going for it on his own thirty yard line. Uh, people don't remember how Dan Quinn got fired from the Falcons, like like how Dan Quinn became this hot commodity in the industry again. Like Dan Quinn ran it down as hard as humanly possible on the Falcons. But anyway, uh. Raheem Morris had to like take over that mess of a Falcons team. Never got uh, barely got a whiff at the head coaching gig that eventually went to Arthur Smith, and so he ends up going on and winning the Super Bowl with the Rams. And so now, after another year waiting around, essentially still doing a good job with a Rams team uh, that doesn't have draft picks. But and prioritizes offensive draft picks over defensive draft picks. Still has that as a top uh, ten unit. He he get he gets another crack as an NFL head coach. Now, this is a roster that is one quarterback away from going to an NFC title game. In my opinion, we talk about it all the time with the Falcons. Defense is there. Skill position players are there. Literally, just needs a quarterback. Not even a superstar quarterback, just a solid quarterback game manager. I I keep saying this, like you put a Gardner Minshew or one of the, one of these mid tier quarterbacks that can play in the system, and again, it's got to be their system that makes them excel. So you got to figure out what your offensive coordinator wants to run. But a solid game manager can absolutely get this Falcons team. Well and deep into the playoffs, you do not need a stud draft pick to get this team to the next level. I know folks don't love hearing that message, but realistically, this is a uh, I would give this a B plus higher. But I want to see how Raheem goes about this because Raheem has been in this spot and he saw what just bringing in Matt Stafford did for that Rams team that was ready to go. Jared Goff, yes, he made leaps and bound improvements while being in Detroit. He was not ready to make those improvements when he was on the Rams. And the Rams were ready to win a Super Bowl. So, for all intents and purposes, that was a win-win trade for both sides. Detroit actually got the best Jared Goff they could have possibly asked for. And the Rams got to win the Super Bowl because Jared Goff was not prepared to win a Super Bowl when he left uh, L.A. uh, uh, in the trade for Stafford. That that's the truth of the matter in 2021. He wasn't ready, so you know. It, to me, I think uh, if I'm the Falcons, I'm looking to see who I can grab a trade for. Now, I'm not looking for a Joe Flacco a, a, at his age, uh, but I would say there are a number of QBs that I'd be looking at, and you know. It's more than likely uh, you're going to see, uh, I would say, uh, in the Falcons' best interest, a veteran QB getting traded. So they may be in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes if uh, Minnesota 
doesn't commit to him. Not to say that Kirk, again, we always talk about, we always make fun of uh, Kirk at primetime. What I'm saying is, I just need baseline performance out of my QB. Like, and again, Kirk may end up being too expensive. But <laughs> that's where I, I'm kind of going with this. I don't need top of the heap QB play uh, for the Falcons to be successful. Just need someone productive enough between the sticks to get the ball moving along. So, again, a Minshew of the world probably makes uh, some sense. A Jacoby Brissett, yeah. It's like not going to excite anyone, but it will be far more productive than what they were getting out of Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. Just straight up. that That's the truth of the matter. So... We're going to see uh, what uh, Morris has in mind. But to me, I think this makes a ton of sense. Uh, as a head coach who has been in the uh, in the sticks for a while, kind of knows what is needed to be successful, um, that's going to be a big boost for uh, this Atlanta squad because they just need someone that knows what they're doing and puts their place in the best position to succeed. They, they have too much talent not to be successful, so... Uh, yeah, moving on, and uh, this one, I don't understand this, <laughs> well, let's just be honest, I understand the hire, but it's just so stupid, uh, uh, Carolina Panthers hired Dave Canales, who was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Canales got a six-year deal, which is going to be very helpful for him. Because if he lasts in this job two years, it'll be a minor miracle. Uh, David Tepper, the only thing you can say about David Tepper uh, uh, so far in his NFL tenure is that he's not afraid of burning money. Uh, He is going to be the fifth head coach uh, Tepper has gone through already. You know... Canales only had one year as an offensive coordinator uh, before getting this gig. He was in a, a, an assistant for Pete Carroll for 13 years in Seattle. But, you know, he helped rejuvenate Baker Mayfield's career when Baker was basically done. We'll see what the Buccaneers look like without Canales. Um, because Canales is considered to be a quarterback, an uh, up-and-coming quarterback whisperer. Which is always the code for when they want to hire you. They always say, he's a quarterback whisperer. He can get the most out of his quarterbacks. So I want to see, like, because to me, Baker Mayfield was exactly what Baker Mayfield is. A roller coaster ride. Good games, bad games, good games, bad games, bad game, bad game, good game. Uh, like, to me, that's always been Baker. Like, like, Baker Mayfield did not change one iota from this stint with the uh, Buccaneers to his previous years with the Browns. All these folks saying Baker Mayfield has changed, I don't know what game tape we're watching. Because literally, if you watch the tape of Baker, he makes the exact same mistakes, but he can still make some of the outplays as well. That's that's what you get with Baker. You, ha- you have to have him manage himself uh, in the process. But be that as it may, Canales gets the gig. Do I think he deserves a head coaching gig? No. But frankly... You're not going to stay long in this gig anyway because your owner is going to kneecap you and 
basically try to uh, uh, steamroll you, which is why most veteran folks are staying that the hell away from Carolina because Tepper's a madman. So, truth be told, it's 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 a not for long gig, which is the, the, the definition of the NFL. As I said, if he makes it through two full years as a, a Panthers head coach, maybe he's actually better uh, better suited for the gig than I thought he ever would be. But there there's almost no shot this guy makes it through two years. There's almost no shot, and they will probably be moving on from Bryce Young within. Uh, that same time frame as well. I I just I cannot see Dave Canales being in this job in two years from now. That, that's just the truth of the matter. So anyway, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll get into the rest of the coaching uh, tree changes in the NFL. But uh, yeah, the, the, this uh, this should be an interesting time in the NFC South next year, which is always a train wreck division by and large in the NFL. But uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. We'll be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, welcome back to the show, folks. We have been going over the NFL head coaching cycle, and to be honest, it's all kickstarted with the massive news out of New England, Bill Belichick being, uh, they said mutual departure, but realistically, it was about as polite a way you could say Bill Belichick got fired uh, as you can in uh, New England because... Bill Belichick, the coach, could have stayed, but Bill Belichick, the GM, got kicked to the curb, so it's a mutual parting, if you will. But uh, the Patriots promoted from within, and apparently Belichick signed off on his own departure in advance because he had Gerard Mayo circled as his heir apparent. We all thought it was going to be Mike Vrabel coming in, uh, after Vrabel got let go by the Titans or a possible trade to New England. And apparently Gerard Mayo had always been the guy. I don't think necessarily Bill planned on being not the guy this soon. But he had earmarked in the in the event of his departure, Gerard Mayo to be the next head coach of the Patriots. Uh, Gerard Mayo essentially played for the Patriots for... A number of years was a team captain within his second year in the NFL, which was unheard of. Uh, just basically the definition of a Belichick guy in, in the in the line of a, a Teddy Bruschi or Mike Vrabel. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Mayo, it's a meteoric rise from player to head coach because he's only been a linebackers coach for 
what amounts to about three years. He wasn't. He he literally just transitioned from playing to being a head coach immediately with the Patriots. Uh, to, so much to the extent that I actually thought he was still playing when they had mentioned him the first time he as a head coach. I didn't realize he had already retired. Um, but so it's going to be interesting to say the least. What actually changes in New England? Because by and large, you hired a defensive-minded head coach that doesn't really do much on offense. Obviously, Mac Jones wasn't the guy. Mac Jones precipitated Belichick's departure from New England because, say what you will, Belichick made the final decision to select Mac Jones at 15. Mac Jones had plenty of question marks as an NFL QB. It was the final nail in the coffin of Bill Belichick, the GM. And Bill Belichick insisting on GM duties is what cost him other jobs in the NFL post-New England. It's going to be very interesting to see Belichick hanging over NFL teams moving forward. But for the Patriots in the interim, this is a wait-and-see approach because I don't think New England is going to make a move on Mayo for at least three years. And Patriots fans have going to have to get used to the idea of the Patriots rebuilding and rebuilding with a rookie head coach because that's where the Patriots are. You are, for all intents and purposes, a rebuilding uh, dynasty trying to figure out where you stand in 2024 because on the whole, the defense wasn't that stellar. The offense was a complete joke. And you're going to have to figure out the quarterback situation. None of these are ideal situations. It's not as though New England was always a hotbed for free agent activity. So it's going to be tough attracting free agents there. The, the New England job is going to be a very interesting spot. Because the fans have been spoiled rotten by winning for 20 plus years. They could only tolerate losing with Bill Belichick for three years. Before they were, uh, some were calling for his head. I can't wait to see how they look at it from a rookie head coach standpoint. Because I, I, not for nothing, they're gonna suck. <laughs> like uh, that's the that's the nice way of saying about it. It's like uh, you know the Jets will still probably find a way to lose to them, but for all intents and purposes, the Patriots are nowhere even close to being playoff ready in the next two years. So. I'm going to be very curious to see how that whole transition process works out for Mayo because there's a very real possibility that uh, come year three, he's going to be a lame duck coach because this uh, this Patriots team doesn't find a quarterback. He's gonna They're going to have to try to find a QB. It's really that simple. Next on the docket, the Raiders promoting Antonio Daniels to head coach. the Technically, the best move the Raiders could have made because uh, ever since uh, uh, Basaccia got let go after getting the Raiders to the playoffs in the wake of the Gruden disaster and then being replaced by Josh McDaniels, who completely pissed off everybody in the organization, including the owner, in less than two years. It wasn't even 18 months. It, it was barely it was barely over a year but that being said Antonio Pierce uh go, goes 5 and 4 as interim head coach uh, gets the full approval of 
Max Crosby and, and uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, we are likely to see a very similar Raider squad moving forward. Josh Jacobs actually sounded like he was motivated to play football again with uh, Antonio Pierce under the helm. And it showed in the Raiders second half where the defense woke up. The offense, you know, while it was bad because they didn't have a quarterback, it, you know, at least uh, Josh Jacobs was moving. Uh, unfortunately, Devontae Adams couldn't get the ball because they couldn't throw down the field. They got to find a quarterback just like <laughs> the Patriots. Uh, but at least I have some hope for the Raiders being relevant in the AFC West. Like, the Raiders, as long as they actually have some swagger to them, the Raiders are always going to be a feisty group because you have a raucous fan base, and they, and it's been shown that they traveled to Vegas, so that's not the concern for the Raiders. They just need a decent squad. And they have some skilled position players, the biggest issue is the fact that, you know, McDaniels made the choice to move on for Derek Carr. I don't blame the decision to move on for Derek Carr. The issue was he moved on from Derek Carr and selected Jimmy G, which, let's be honest, Jimmy G could not stay healthy to save his life. It's been clearly demonstrated Jimmy G is never going to be healthy enough to be trusted with a full regular season as an NFL QB. It's just, it is what it is. So, another team that's going to have to find a quarterback very quickly. But I actually like the Raiders, because uh, at least they have some players, to be a faster start than what New England's got to go through. So, the Raiders, I, I think there should be some expe- expectations for them of not necessarily making the playoffs, but at least being in the playoff hunt. So, there there is that. Next on the docket. Tennessee, the surprise firing of Mike Vrabel brings in Brian Callahan uh, as the the, uh, new head coach. And if the name Callahan sounds familiar, it should be because he is the son of veteran NFL coach and uh, college coach Bill Callahan, who basically took John Gruden's uh, Super Bowl squad, uh, squad to the Super Bowl in 20, uh, 2002, which was comically hilarious because Bill Callahan took John Gruden's Raider squad, and I mean that in all totality because John Gruden took Tony Dungy's squad to the Super Bowl that year, and the difference in that game was the fact that the Raiders never bothered changing the playbook from when John Gruden ran the team, so it was one of the biggest stomps in Super Bowl history because no one could actually believe an NFL head coach would literally run the exact same playbook the next year after the fi- prior coach left. It was the easiest game the uh, the Bucks played all year because they knew the exact playbook of the Raiders, and the Raiders never changed any of their play calls. It, that was one of the most insane Super Bowls ever. I can't, I can't believe I watched that full game and just stunned in silence that. The Raiders never changed any of their play calls, so the the, the Buccaneers knew the hot route adjustments like of the Raiders' offense, and Rich Cannon's just getting his ass kicked because, frankly, the, the, the Buccaneers know exactly where he's throwing the ball, and they know the pass protection, so Warren Sapp just had a field day. Oh, man. But anyway, getting back to Brian Callahan. Uh, so... 
uh, Callahan was the uh, Bengals offensive coordinator uh, for the last couple of years. So he had Joe Burrow uh, underneath him to make him look good. Uh, listen, I'm not going to try to say that he can't be a successful head coach. But this is not the situation. But hey, he's going to get a chance again after this doesn't work out. And I'm going to say this. This is not going to work out. The Titans are a mess from a salary cap perspective. I don't believe in Will Levis as a QB. They're they're hiring him because they believe he's going to be a QB whisperer for, for Will Levis. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think ultimately this is going to be a complete misfire. And he's gone after three years as a head coach. That's essentially where this is going to go. That's my prediction. We'll see if he proves me wrong. But there's almost no chance I see this working out for the Titans. I think the Titans are going to be as bad as that division can be at times. I think the Titans are going to be at the bottom of that division for the next couple of years. And Vrabel was, you know, going to be a sacrificial lamb no matter what. But it's just the simple fact of the matter is that he he needed to move on from the Titans and the Titans were ready to tank. So why keep paying a guy top dollar as an NFL coach if you're rebuilding? So that's where I kind of landed on uh, the Titan situation. But, you know, anytime you're getting an NFL head coaching job and you're extremely young as a, a as a candidate, you take the gig because you're going to get another head coaching job anyway. That's the NFL's way of using retreads, especially when, you know, you're a young white guy. Like, let's just call it what it is. So, uh, speaking of which, we have Seattle, who replaced fifth, uh, Pete Carroll after nearly 15 years there. Uh, they, they canned him right before his 15th season. Uh, Pete Carroll was the oldest head coach in the league, even older than Belichick. And Pete got let go because of ageism. Like, it's not as though Seattle was bad last year. It's just that Seattle was getting kind of stale. And so the Seahawks, at the end of the day, kind of made an evaluation of where are we going to be in five years? And is Pete Carroll going to coach for five more years? Probably not. So essentially... John Schneider had to make a decision. It's either Pete or it's me. And he made the decision to save himself and he fired Pete. Uh, Pete tried to make a case to stay on. Uh, the The Seahawks gave him a consultancy role and uh, Pete made it known in radio interviews that he felt as though he was forced out because guess what? You were forced out because you're, you're old. It's, it's, it is what it is. Like that, we can, we can call it for what it is, but uh, Pete Carroll getting replaced by the youngest head coach in the NFL at 36 uh, is not is not is basically the story. Uh, yes, does uh, Mike McDonald have head coach uh, uh, coaching experience? Uh, technically, he worked for nine years under John Harbaugh and was uh, Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator at Michigan last year. So he only has coordinator experience for one year at college and got an NFL head coaching job. I'm just going to leave it right there. Listen, does Seattle have talent? Yes. 
does Seattle uh, look for a defensive-minded coach? Yes. Uh, uh, he is, uh, McDonald's very much in uh, the uh, defensive mindset of the Raiders. Uh, you got Wink Martindale. He's a descendant of Wink's system. And Wink, uh, you know, obviously had his issues with Giants management, uh, as, uh, as as Giants fans are well acutely aware of uh, as defensive coordinator. But it's going to be a blitzing team. And Seattle plays an aggressive style on defense. So from that mindset, yeah, it makes some sense. But Seattle's looking at this as kind of a five-year plan of where do we go long-term because we got Kyle Shanahan running the 49ers for the next uh, decade. We need someone young to compete against them. And that's the thought process. Realistically, that's what Seattle's going for. Pete Carroll did not lose his job because he couldn't coach anymore. The issue is Seattle just made the decision of saying, we got to compete against Kyle Shanahan for the next 10 years. We need someone young enough to compete against them and be energetic enough to go up against them. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the long and short of it. You know, uh, him getting hired is, uh, more about who you're competing against than his own resume, because I'll be honest, his resume is kind of bare to actually entrust him with an NFL franchise. Just being perfectly blunt. That's the truth of the matter. They're trying to look at it from the standpoint of, can he grow fast enough into the job to compete against Kyle Shanahan? That's the long and short of it. So, finally, that leads us to, how about them Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys hiring Dan Quinn. Woo! This is why Jerry Joe. I mean, oh, I'm I'm saying I'm saying uh, I'm I'm saying how about them Cowboys? Because frankly, Dan Quinn was uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator, but the Commanders hiring Dan Quinn from the Cowboys, where he was defensive uh, coordinator, uh, somehow Dan Quinn gets promoted to being a head coach again when Dallas completely and utterly <laughs> like <laughs> bombs out of the playoffs, and Dan Quinn gets a head coaching gig anyway. This is one of the most comical hirings because, frankly, we've seen Dan Quinn as a head coach. Decision-making, not his strong suit. We can say whatever uh, we can say whatever we want. He made it to the Super Bowl in 2016. The, the backbone of that is the fact that Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator and uh, Matt Ryan had his best season ever which he never even came close to before his career or after Shanahan's career. Like, Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan got NFL jobs provided by Kyle Shanahan for five-plus years longer than they should have. Point blank. I don't think Dan Quinn was that great of a defensive coordinator. He can work with talent. He can get talent in good spots, but that's not coaching. You just have talent. The Falcons as a whole was a terrible defensive unit when he was head coach. In after the Super Bowl run, were even worse after that. They were 18 to 23 in the worst division in football, the NFC South, with zero playoff bids. Point blank. 
Dan Quinn was a terrible head coach. He get he he still manages to ride that the Super Bowl run with the Falcons and gets a coordinator gig with the Cowboys. The Cowboys, one of the le- lo- most lopsided divisions in football in terms of awful drafting. Cowboys have a wealth of riches for an entire decade. He gets to uh, work with uh, the best, uh, like one of, I would say, a top five defensive unit all four years of him being a defensive coordinator in Dallas. Still could not get uh, Dallas to the NFC uh, an NFC uh, title game, let alone the Super Bowl. We can We can blame Mike McCarthy too, but... Quinn absolutely takes heat for this as well. Washington is just desperate because they fired Ron Rivera thinking that all these other coordinators were going to be lining up to take their job. Ben Johnson basically told them they're under no circumstances. Who uh, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, literally told them there is no chance I'm taking this job unless I'm getting paid ten mil a year as a rookie head coach. That was the number. Washington tried to spin this as he didn't interview well. Ben Johnson got a pay bump at uh, at the Lions and will wait it out for another NFL team next year because he didn't want to uh, 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 take less than what he believed to be market value for what it costs to run the, the Redskins for a couple of years. That's the situation Washington is in. And I said the word again, uh, w- w- but... Washington football team, Washington commanders, no, they're the Redskins. Let's be honest, folks. Let's be honest. Um, but that's the truth of the matter. Washington is in such a bad spot that everyone turned them down. They had to go the retread route because they were onto their sixth choice at that point in the HUD coaching search. So, of course, this is a terrible selection because from what you actually had in mind versus what you think he's going to do? Listen, do I think Dan Quinn's a good head coach? No. But he will be, for what you're looking for in Washington, will you be at least average? Can you at least get to six to seven wins? That's probably what he's going to be able to do if you if you draft some defensive talent, which is what he's going to ask for. Offensively, you guys are going to be lost. He's not going to help you there. But in the NFC East, considering the Giants are still committing to Daniel Jones, you should be able to get some wins there. The Cowboys are always a coin flip in terms of uh, games that they should win versus the games uh, that they do win. Washington will not be an out should not be an outright disaster, even with Rivera. Washington was still finding ways to win games until this last lame duck year where everyone kind of quit. I still think Washington's going to be in that five to eight win range year after year. So the reason why this gets a terrible grade for me is the fact that you were trying to do what Seattle was doing, which was get younger and have a, a, a young coach kind of take the reins and want to run the franchise. Basically, they all said no to you which is more of an indictment on your current leadership, which you would think would improve after Dan Snyder's gone, but it's actually more kind of looking at it, and the feedback was that they got basketball guys running the operations rather than football people. That's never a good sign that football guys don't feel comfortable 
going to your uh, franchise. So that's the reason why I give a more negative grade for Washington than anything else. Is that yes? Do I think Dan Quinn's really going to get a team to a playoff berth? No, but where Washington is right now, you're not even close. I don't even think you're going to be, you know, I think a good year for Washington would be getting nine wins. Truth be told, the next three years, getting the nine wins would be an accomplishment for Washington. This is going to be a rebuild job. And no, Dan Quinn is not necessarily the guy who should be doing a rebuild job, but you take what you can get at this point because that's where Washington's at. So, with that being said, uh, some quick notes about the game line. We have stayed at this two to two and a half range in favor of the Niners for the past couple of days. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's still Tuesday, but we're, we're, we're not seeing a ton of movement. Uh, the public money's coming in on, on Kansas City. The uh, sharp money's coming in on San Fran. The line really haven't been moving significantly. The, the best is going a half point in favor of San Fran, but that's about it. We're still not seeing a ton. So we shall see if we're going to get more line development, but so far it seems to be pretty split. This this definitely feels closer to uh, Pat's Rams in the fact that the line's not really moving. But... Um, We'll we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about it a little bit further in the week as we get closer uh, to the game itself. But that's going to be all for now. Have a good one, folks. Uh, and uh, yeah, more to come uh, with uh, uh, some prop bets uh, coming up uh, later in the week. So stick around, folks, uh, for more content during Super Bowl week. And uh, yeah, until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.